Turn to your Bibles to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. And we're going to begin with verse 13. Genesis 18 and verse 13. And only ask you to turn to one place in the Bible this morning. In Genesis 18, beginning with verse 13, the Bible says, And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah, you shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh. For she was afraid, and he said, no, but you did laugh. The background of this story is that God would come to a man that was 100 years old and a woman that was 99 years old and drop some big news on them and say, hey, Sarah, you're going to get pregnant by your husband Abraham, and you're going to have a child. The Bible says here that when she heard that, that Sarah laughed, saying, shall I surely bear a child since I am old? And she laughed at whatever God said and spoke over their life. But the Lord reminded her and said, there's nothing too difficult for me. You will have a son. And I want to talk today for just a few moments on the subject, I am the one, this is the place, and now is the time. I am the one, this is the place, and now is the time. Can you say that with me? I am the one. This is the place, now is the time. You go ahead and turn to your neighbor and declare to them, I am the one. This is the place, now is the time. Those are also the three points of our message today. I am the one. When God came to Abraham and Sarah and said, I'm going to use you in astonishing ways to bring about my plan of redemption, from your loins will come one who will be called Messiah. Of course, we know that he came from God, but his earthly seed, the part of his flesh that was given by man, came, came from the Jewish people that began with Abraham and with Sarah. The Bible says that she laughed at this promise of God. And who would blame her? I remember the church that we pastored I remember a, a, a guy in one week celebrating his retirement and a baby shower for him and his wife. Well, Abraham and Sarah, they were way beyond retirement years, 199. And so she laughed at this promise, this statement of God over her life. And I thought about how Sarah, the scripture says, she pronounced herself basically unfit because of the advancement in age and that she and her husband had made. She had basically pronounced herself unfit to be the one that would be able to fulfill what God had spoken. She said, I'm unfit and it will never happen. She set about to circumvent the plan of redemption, the plan of the ages. She was determined to take herself out of God's plan for her life. With her actions and with her words, Sarah said in so many words, I am not the one, this is not the place, and now, certainly now, is not 
the time. And if Abraham is the father of the faith, Sarah is the mother of millions of people who when God comes to them with a great dream or a promise or a vision or a great plan for their life, she is the mother of millions who look back at God and say, I am not the one, this is not the place, and now is not the time. She's the mother of everyone who says that. The scriptures, many of us know, are replete with examples of people who God had to move from saying, I am not the one, to I am the one. I thought about whenever God met Moses in a hot Midian desert. And he spoke to Moses through a burning bush and he came to Moses and said, Moses, you are the one. This is the place and now is the time. Moses' response was, God, I am not the one. This is not the place and now, certainly now, isn't the time. It was the time 40 years ago when I was about 40 years old and still strong and still had all of my mental capacity. 40 years ago was the time. But 40 years have passed and God, I'm sorry, but I'm not the one. I, 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 I stutter. I'm not the one. I'm not qualified. This isn't the place. It was in Egypt that you were supposed to do something, not this desert, and now is not the time. I'm 80 years old. I'm advanced in age. It's not the time. And yet God moved him from saying, I am not the one, to I am the one, Pharaoh, let my people go. I thought about Gideon who got met in a hole in the ground called a wine press where he was threshing wheat, surviving, trying to survive another day. And God had to move Gideon from saying, I am not the one. This is not the place. Now is not the time. Flight 903 took off in Washington, D.C. with 92 people on board. And it crashed into the 14th Street Bridge and it dumped 92 passengers into the freezy, freezing icy Potomac River. They televised this on, on national news as, 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 as they, they heard of this great tragedy. Uh, almost everyone had survived, but the problem was that there were survivors in the water. And as the television's crew got there and were watching this scene unfold, they also watched something very heroic where a man, a bystander, jumped into the Potomac River and started saving people. A home nearby the crash, in that home was a mother and children watching the television and watching this scene unfold and seeing the, the, the heroics of this man jumping into the river, saving people. And the mother looked at the children and said this, you see that guy right there? That's the kind of man your daddy is. He's that kind of man. To her shock hours later, just to find out that that was her husband and that was the kid's daddy. When I read that, I couldn't help but think, is that what our family would think about us in the time of crisis? Or are we the kind of people that say, I am not the one and this is not the place and now is not the time? 
What we need today is men and women that when crisis comes to our homes, comes to our lives, comes to our families, and comes to our finances, we don't back up and whine and cry and run, but we stand up and we say, I am the one, and this is the place where I'm going to get victory, and now is the time for that victory. Somebody give God praise if you believe it for just a moment. I believe that we are the ones and we are just as called as Jeremiah was. When God said in Jeremiah chapter 1, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, which means I set you apart and I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. We are the ones that he was talking about when David said in Psalms 139 that you have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. The same hand that brought down the walls of Jericho. The same hand that wounded Jacob with a limp for the rest of his life. The same hand that defeated the king of Syria's chariots of iron. The same hand that stopped the mouths of lion in Daniel's life. The same hand that guided the smooth river stone that struck the forehead of the giant. That same hand has been laid upon you. Please listen to what I'm saying. And it's been laid upon me for such a time as this. And we don't back up and laugh at what God tells us to do. We stand up to be seen and we speak out to be heard and say, I am the one and this is the place and now is the time. Say, I am the one. Come on, say it again. I am the one. You know what many of you said when you wrote your name on this board behind me? You declared, I am the one. Not somebody else. Because, see, that's what happen, often happens, especially in a church, church this size, is, is somebody else will take care of it. Somebody else will do it. But not you. We have, we have people in this place that, that, that rise up and say, I am the one. Who's going to take care of greeting first-time guests on the way in? I am the one. I'll sign up for that. Who's going to serve in the parking lot? Not only when it's nice like today, but when it's raining and when it's zero below and, and, and we need people out there. Who are the ones that are going to serve our kids and serve our young people and serve our children and serve in the cafe and create an environment where people who are lost without Jesus can come in and be served and be given the opportunity to say yes to a faithful God. Who are the ones that stand up and say, I am the one? You read their names. You're all on this board. They're you. They're you. They're you. They're you. And I thank God for you because we are the ones. This is the place and now is the time. Give God praise for just a moment. Consider this for just a moment, if you would, please. David said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you know that you are the one because you have eyes that have a hundred million receptors to enjoy the flight of an eagle or to watch a snowflake fall to the ground? You have ears that have 24,000 fibers that are vibrating while I'm preaching to you. And they can hear the crash of an ocean and they can hear the opera of a robin song. You have a body that has 500 muscles and 200 bones in that body are seven miles of nerve fiber that are synchronizing and giving your body agility and movement. 
You have a heart that will beat 36 million times this year. It will pump 600,000 gallons of blood through your body, through 60,000 miles of blood vessels, veins, and arteries. You have lungs that have 600 million pockets of folded flesh that are expunging the gases of waste from your body. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You have four quarts of blood in your body, and in that blood, there are 22 trillion cells, and with each cell, there are millions of molecules, and in each molecule is an atom that is oscillating at 10 million times per second. And every second that ticks off the clock, 2 million cells in your body die, and 2 million cells reproduce themselves. My God, I am a walking resurrection. I have a brain that weighs three pounds. Some have a brain that weighs less, but most of us have a, way, a brain that weighs three pounds. And it's three pounds of gray matter. And in that brain, you have four million pain sensors. You have 500,000 touch detectors. You have 200,000 temperature gauges in your body to make sure that you don't blow up and explode or freeze to death. This is the body that God has given you. And if God would pour that much technology into a body that will decay and die and go back into the ground, I wonder what he has put into the spirit of man that's of significance and of eternal value. And it's powerful if you would recognize it. Come on, say, I am the one. If God went through all that trouble to make this body that bad, I wonder what he's poured into the spirit of Juan Rivera that makes him one bad individual in the kingdom of darkness and for the kingdom of God. Somebody shout, I am the one. But pastor, my parents say I wasn't supposed to be born. I was an accident. Well, that's their story. That's not God's story. You are not an accident. You were created on purpose and for a purpose. God has a plan for you. God has a future for you. God has a destiny for you. Because I am the one and this is the place and now is the time to experience every victory in Jesus in your life. Somebody, one more time, just give him a praise break for just a moment. Because he's that good. A Swedish chemist woke up one morning when he picked up the local newspaper to his astonishment, he saw in the obituary his own obituary. The newspaper had made a mistake because his brother had recently passed, but he was still living. But they confused the two, and so he was reading his own obituary in the newspaper. And this is what they wrote. They said that he invented dynamite and his life legacy was enabling the nations of the world to reach new levels of mass destruction. He will always be remembered as the merchant of death. And this man said after reading that line, he said, oh no, I won't always be remembered that way. And so he took the millions of dollars that he had made selling his invention of dynamite to the nations of the world to blow each other up. And he put it into a trust fund and he called it 
the Nobel Peace Prize. His name? Alfred Nobel. Every one of us, through the power of Jesus Christ, has the ability to rewrite history and turn our lives around. I don't know what your past has been. I don't know the trauma that you've experienced, the setback that you've experienced. I, I, I don't know what you've gone through in your past. But I'm here to tell you that today, on this day, you can declare, I am the one. Because God can go back into your history. God can go back into your past. And he can redeem it. And he can use it. And he can bring you into a place where he'll rewrite it. And you no longer have to be defined by your past. But God has given you a future and he can set you on the course today if you'll let him. Go ahead and give God thanks for just a moment. Jesus died for your yesterdays so that he can have your tomorrows. I can make a difference in my family, in this city, in this nation. You know why? Because I am the one. And you know why we can? Because we are the ones. So easy to think that maybe someday or somewhere else I will make a difference. Another day or, or another place. You know why? Because the grass is always greener on the other side. Isn't that true? Grass is always green. It seems like the grass is always greener on the other side. You're in high school, you can't wait to graduate. You graduate, go to college, and you think about how it used to be in high school and how easy you had it. You're in college and you can't wait to get out. You get out and the real world hits you and you now got to have a job and, and find a maid and do all that stuff. And you realize how easy you had in, in college. And you think about the good days. I, I remember working a secular job and thinking to myself, oh my, I can't wait till I get out of here and start and get into the ministry full time. And then I leave that and get into ministry full-time, and I think, oh, my God, I had it easy. Nine to five, clock in, clock out, no midnight phone calls, nothing. The grass is always greener on the other side. And we do this with so many things in life, including marriage. Guy comes up to me and say, Pastor, I don't know, but it's just not popping anymore. It's just not working anymore. The grass looks greener on the other side. You know what I tell him? Well, just start watering your part of the grass. Start watering your field. It's so easy to look somewhere else and say, boy, if I lived there or if I went to that church or if I was married to that person. But say, say this. Say, this is the place. Say it again. This is the place. The famine had, had hit hard in Genesis chapter 26. The Bible says that Isaac was in the famine and all of his animals were dying. And all of his servants were leaving. They were running away. And everything on the inside of him said, I need to leave this place because this is not the place. But God came, came to him and said, no, Isaac, I need you to stay because this is the place. And in this place, I will bless you. I will be with you. I will help you. Do not leave in this famine, for I will bless you in this place. And he had to make a decision. He had to make a decision at that moment. See, see, we have to shake off the spirit of moving when the famine comes. 
We have to shake off the spirit of throwing in the towel and giving up and moving on when the famine comes. When things aren't popping anymore and things aren't happening like we want them to, when it's not exciting anymore, when the marriage just doesn't have it anymore, the spirit of moving will come on you, but that's where you have to say, in this place, quit looking for greener pastures. Quit looking for someplace else because this is the place. And I am here, God says, and God is here. So this is the place. The servant said to Isaac, we need to get out of here. He says, we need to go. This isn't good for us here. But Isaac said, oh, no, this is the place because God told me. God told me it's this place. But Isaac gets dying. There's nothing happening, and everything is dying, and it's no fun here, and it's not happening anymore, and it's not popping anymore. But Isaac said, no, this is the place. And Isaac said, you know, I remember my daddy dug some wells in this area. And so we're going to go and redig some of those wells. Our animals are dying of thirst. Let's go redig some of those wells, and that's what they began to do. Isaac began to dig wells in the midst of a famine. And the Bible says, if you read it, that the Philistines, after Isaac would dig up a well, they'd come alongside when no one was watching, and they would put dirt in the well to cover it back up. Have you ever tried to go after something in life, and there's people in your life that just pour dirt on your dreams? They pour dirt on the vision that God has given you. And so Isaac is digging up a well, Philistines come put dirt on it, so he goes somewhere else in, in, in that same place and digs up another well. They, they come back and put dirt. And most people would have given up by then. Most people would have thrown in the towel and they would have just packed their bags. But, but no, God said, in this place. So sometimes, sometimes... Just because things aren't popping or happening and things aren't going the way you want them to, that doesn't mean you're supposed to leave. And the Bible says that he dug another well, and by the time he dug up that well, that third well, read it in your Bible, it's funny, the same Philistines that, that were fighting him and plugging up those wells with dirt, they step back and say, this guy doesn't quit. We might as well just just." step back and stop trying to fight him because his tenacity and his heart and his courage and his non-quit attitude is just too much for us. And the Bible says that, that they gave him space for him to be able to dig that well. You know what the Bible says that Isaac called that, that third well, that last well? He called it his roomy place. His roomy place. His roomy and there he was. He was come, getting come after. People were coming after him. Philistines were coming after him and attacking. What I'm telling you is this, is that the, we, we have to get to a place where we let the devil know every once in a while that you can keep attacking me, but I'm not going anywhere. You can keep coming after this marriage, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm still in this marriage. I'm still in this church. I'm still in this call. I'm still in this business. And you can try to plug up my wells, but God said it's going to happen in this place. Not another place. In this place. I want you to give God praise if you believe he can bless you in this place. You realize we can be anywhere. We can be anywhere, but, but we're here. We're here. 
We're in this region. We're in this community. Western Pennsylvania, Northeast Ohio. And in this region, this, there's a big part of this region that is, that is made up of, of, of communities that, that are not doing well in terms of education and, and income and all of those problems that we have in our community. And like Isaac, we look at it and say, but God, it's a famine. There's nothing happening here. There's nothing popping. Our kids are leaving. Nothing is happening. But you know why I'm here? You know why, why I, I'm, I'm here? I mean, my God, I, I've, I've been... I don't know if you've ever read it, the worst places to live in America. Youngstown is the top five, if not the first, on the list. I've been to the opposite report of that, the best place to live in America. Sunny, 360 days out of 365. Wearing a t-shirt in the wintertime beach. Listen, I'm a Caribbean boy. I love the sun. I love the beach. I love the ocean. Hey, I could be in Puerto Rico. So can you. We could be there eating rellenos and pastelillos and arroz con gandules. We can be with abuela and abuelito and our primos and our tias and tios. But why am I here? Why am I here? Because I am the one. And this is the place. And now is the time. Oh, we may have Philistines that will drop dirt. In our dreams and our vision and says it can't be done, you will not do it. But in this place, I believe that I'm prophesying to you today. God is going to give us a roomy place. That's why we're expanding, Victory. We're getting a bigger place and a roomier place so that God in this place can give us the victory for our communities and our region and our kids and the people in this region. Come on, give God a praise break for just a moment. Hey, I feel that right now. In this place. Come on, shout it. Say in this place. Moses, why did you bring us out in the wilderness? Can you see him deserting him when they're thirsting to death? death? After three days in the wilderness, they don't have anything to drink, anything to eat. I can just see those church members jumping on on their two hump camels, spinning wheels out of the parking lot. I'm gone. Head back to Egypt. And everybody was saying, we're going back to Egypt. But God said, in this place, right here where I have you, you've got to get this in your spirit. In this place. And the Bible says in the book of Numbers that God told Moses to do two things. He said, number one, I want you to get the Levitical choir, and I want you to sing a specific song. In fact, I think I gave the reference to you, but it's in Numbers. The title of the song is, Spring Up a Well. That's the title of the song, Spring Up a Well. There it is. He said, I want you to sing the song. What song, Moses? Spring up a well. That's the first thing God told Moses to do. And then he says, I want you to get the priest and tell them to grab their staff. And I want them to take their staff. And as the choir is singing over here, spring up a well, I want you on the other side with your priest tapping and pounding on the ground with your staff. I want you to to pound on that dry, parched ground there. I want you to do that. Can you, can you picture it in your mind? And so they go off. Here's the choir over here. Can you see the robes? They're all there. You've got, you, you know, spring up a whale. Sopranos. Spring up a whale. Bass. 
offering up a well. They're over here singing, and then you've got the priest over here on this side, and they're tapping, and they're just tapping, and they're just tapping. And then all of a sudden, you see a caravan going by with the snot-nosed kids peeking out the back side of it, saying, Mama, what are they doing? They look so weird. What are those Hebrew people doing? And Mama's saying, oh, they're just foolish. They're just stupid. They don't know what they're doing. But then all of a sudden, the Bible says that as the choir is singing, spring up a whale in the midst of a famine, in the midst of dryness. And as the priests are over here pounding on the ground, the Bible says that one of the priests, his stick got stuck. And, 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 and he fought to pull it out, and other folks came, and, and they tried to pull it out. And you say, is it in the Bible? Yes, it is in the Bible. This is my sermon. I can preach it like I want to. <laughs> Pulls out the stick, and all of a sudden, it's wet. At the bottom of the stick, it's wet. And there's some mud on it. There's some mud on it. I feel like telling somebody, if you're in a famine, this is still the place. This is still a place. This is still the place. This is it. What are you doing, Pastor Juan? I'm tapping. I'm tapping. I know it may not look like much right now, but I'm tapping. I know my marriage may not look like it right now, but I'm tapping. I'm believing for God to spring up some wells in my marriage, in my home, in my family, in my finances. You may not see it, but I'm tapping. I'm staying faithful because this is the place, not no other. This is the place, not another place, not somewhere else, not another marriage, not another partner. I'm just going to keep on tapping on this one until the love starts flowing, until victory starts flowing, until success starts flowing. I'm going to stand right here because I'm the one and this is the place and now is the time. This is it. But we don't have enough room. We don't have enough room. I feel, I feel confined. I feel restricted. That's what the tribe of Ephraim said to Joshua. As they were handing out parcels of land to the tribes of Israel. Ephraim comes to Joshua and says, we don't have enough room. Joshua points to a mountain not far away. We'll say, we'll take that mountain. Make it a part of your inheritance. Ephraim comes back and says, there's a problem, Joshua. What's the problem? That mountain has trees, and it also has Canaanites with chariots. And I love Joshua's response. We'll cut down the trees and chase out the chariots. And the Bible says that's exactly what they did. What I'm telling you is that if you want to room your place, if you want there to be room to breathe in your marriage, in your home, in your church, in your community, if it's not what it's been promised for you to be. Well, my God, get off of your, your, your backside and stop believing God to do everything in your life and cut down some trees and chase out some devils. Get in the game. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. This marriage just ain't working. Well, listen, buddy, cut down some trees and chase out some devils. I bet you that your only option isn't divorce. You have two options, stay together and be miserable or cut down some trees, chase out some devils, and stay together and have an amazing marriage. And the same is true for any area in our lives. If it's not what it ought to be, quit whining about it and get settled in that marriage and cut down some trees and drive out some devils and say we are not going anywhere else. This is our home. This is our marriage. This is our church. This is our city. Turn to somebody and say this is the place. 
my home, my marriage, my family, my church, my city, this is the place. I am the one. This is the place. Now is the time. I want to finish by telling you this. It's not just enough to know that I am the one and this is the place. But you've got to get a revelation of now is the time. You've got to get that. In John chapter 2, the Bible tells the story of Jesus and his mother Mary being invited to a wedding. It was probably a family member. So Jesus and his mother Mary go to this wedding. And this was before Jesus ever did any miracles. He had not yet revealed himself to Israel as the Messiah. And they're at that wedding. And weddings in that day lasted one or two weeks. They were just long day after day. And so you would, you, you would, you would just stop whatever you was doing in life. And you would go to the wedding. And you'd hang out for, for a week at a time celebrating. And because it was that long, one of the main staples of, of weddings in that day and still today was wine. And so what they would do is that they would first bring out the best wine because everybody was sober at that time. And so they'd bring out the best wine and people would drink and then towards the end of the week, they'll bring out, they would bring out the worst, the, 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 the wine that wasn't as great. But what happened at this wedding is that they ran out of wine completely. So Mary looks to Jesus and says, Jesus, can you take care of that? And he says, woman, what does that have to do with me? Mary just looks at the servant and says, hey, whatever he tells you to do, go ahead and do it. So Jesus kind of throws his hands up in the air. What's powerful about that is that Mary brought into her day something that was reserved for another day. It's not my time. But see, Mary understood that Jesus was a now Jesus. She understood that through relationship, she can activate in her day something that was reserved for another day. That is so powerful if you can understand and get that. And so he went ahead and servants filled the water jugs with water. And we know the story. The Bible says that he turned the water into wine. And when they passed it out to everyone that was there, they were astonished. And they told the dad of the groom, they said, man, every, everyone else, it says there in verse, verse 10. Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. And we've taken this statement, this phrase, culturally from, from the Bible, but we say it wrong. We always say that he saved the best for last, but the Bible never says that. Taught you this a couple of months ago. Jesus didn't save the best for last. The Bible says that he saved the best for now. There's a big difference. Because most of us live our lives as if God is going to do something, but it's not going to be now. That if God is going to do anything, that it's not now. It's another day. It's another time. Hopefully. And we live lives waiting for God to do something when we serve a God that on the cross declared it is finished. Opening to you and me the potential of whatever it is that God has to offer you, whatever breakthrough, whatever healing, whatever freedom, whatever it is, whatever restoration, whatever mending, needs to happen in your life, that you don't, and I don't have to wait till last. We don't have to wait till tomorrow. We don't have to wait till next year. We don't have to wait until the special evangelists come. We don't have to wait until the conference. We don't have to wait until we get it all together. We serve a now God. He's not the great I used to be. He's not the great I'm going to be. He is the great I am, and we've got to get a revelation of that. Go ahead and give God praise for just a moment.
You remember the blind man that Jesus healed? What did he say? He said, listen, I don't know all the theology around this. Here's all I know. Once I was blind, but now I see. Mary at the funeral of Lazarus had a mountain of faith in what could have been done. When Jesus finally shows up to Bethany, Mary comes to Jesus and says, oh, if you could have been here. Oh, if you could have been here yesterday. I had a mountain of faith yesterday that if you would have been here, Lazarus would still be living. So you have Mary on one side. She had faith for yesterday, the past. And then Martha squeezed in on the other side of Jesus and says, oh, no, Jesus, I understand that, that, that in the future there's going to be a resurrection of the dead. And at that time, he'll rise. So you have Mary on one side who had a mountain of faith for yesterday, what God could have done yesterday. Those, those are the people that said, man, it's too late because if, if God was going to do something, it would have, he would have done it yesterday. He's missed his opportunity. He's missed his moment. And then you've got others like Martha that are saying, oh, no, I know it's future. It's later on. And there is Jesus now. There is Jesus in their moment. There is Jesus in their And it's no different today. We've got people in this room that, that, that you've convinced yourself that if God would have done something yesterday when you needed him to, you would be better off today. And you feel like you've missed your moment of breakthrough and resurrection. And then there's others like Martha, you're way off in the future. Well, well I'll just wait until tomorrow. I'll just wait un un until something else happens. But here is Jesus. In the now. And you know what Jesus said to both of them? The one that said, God, you're the great I used to be. And the one that says, says, said that, God, you're, you're the great you're going to be. Jesus said this statement. He said this. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. What was he saying? He, said, he was saying, remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old, Mary. For behold, I am doing a new thing. And it's not tomorrow, Martha. Now it shall spring forth. Now I'm making a way in the desert. Now I'm making rivers through the wilderness. Now I'm a now God. I'm the great I am. What I'm telling you, sweet, kind people, is that if you need healing in your body, it's we serve a now God. There is healing now for the sick. There is freedom now for those in bondage. There is restoration now for those struggling in their marriage. There is breakthrough now for those struggling in business and areas of finances. It's now. Because I am the one. This is the place and now is the time. I'm ending with this. Can you see the woman as she's like a silent shadow stepping over lounging, sleeping disciples? She has with her her alabaster box, kneels down at the feet of Jesus and breaks it open and begins to pour years' wages of precious ointment on his feet. And Jesus said, wherever this gospel message is preached, I want you to tell the story of this woman 
Within 24 hours, he would be hanging on a criminal's cross. But something in her said, if I'm ever going to do anything for God, it's going to have to be now. If I'm ever going to break open my alabaster box, it's going to have to be now. If I'm ever going to do something with my life, it's got to be now. If I'm ever going to do something for Jesus, it's got to be now. I better do it now. If I'm ever going to give my best, I better do it now. If I'm ever going to give what I have, my resources, I better do it now. If I'm ever going to make a difference, I better do it now. If I'm ever going to do something for the body of Christ, I better do it now. Because I may not have this opportunity tomorrow. I've got to do it now. She embraced the now moment of God. And I've got to tell you, I need to tell you, you need to quit putting off for tomorrow. If you're ever going to do anything for this body of Christ called Victory Christian Center, for this community, for your region, there's no better time than now. We have a chance to do some things today that we can't do tomorrow. That's why we're challenging you to get on this board. To attend one and serve one. Now. Why? Because there's been no, there, there is no more better opportunity than now. To see God through his church reach a community and see lost people come to know Jesus. Now, we serve an our God. We serve an our God. And so here's how we're going to end this today. Here's, God, we're gonna, here's how we're going to end this. First of all, there's a challenge. I want to challenge all of you. This is your challenge. This is your next step. If you haven't done so already, you need to do this this week. Because next Sunday, we're going to two services, 8.30 and 11. And we're challenging everyone that this is your home church. To commit to a service that you believe you can best serve Jesus in this room, in worship, in giving, in learning, and then commit to a second service that you believe you can best serve others. Now, if this is your first time here, you're off the hook. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, this isn't your challenge. But for those of us that this is our home, that's, this is our challenge. You know why? Because I am the one. This is the place. And now is the time. There is no better time right now than for you to give all that you have for all that he is. This is what else I want to challenge you with. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, sir, ma'am, that's something that must be immediately fixed. You cannot go another 24 hours without knowing with great certainty that if you were to die, that your name is already written in God's book and you'll spend eternity with him. If you, if you look inside of your soul and you can't find a moment that God forgave you of all of your sins and washed you and made you clean, sir, ma'am, that's something that must be taken care of immediately today. And you don't leave this place before that happens. So at the end of this, this service, in just a couple of minutes, we're going to give you an opportunity to receive prayer. Many people are going to receive prayer today because we pray for people who have... Who have, who have need prayer for any reason. For some of you, it's healing. For some of you, it's your family or your marriage or your finances. But for others of you, you're far from God. But God's not far from you. And when all these people come forward to receive prayer, you join them and you tell somebody on this prayer team, 
pray for me. I want a relationship with Jesus. That's all you have to say. That's all. And right now, faith is rising up in your heart that God will do that miracle. Here's what I'm believing God for. Some of you need healing in this room. It's going to happen. Some of you need freedom in this room. It's going to happen. Some of you need restoration. Some of you need a miracle. Some of you need a breakthrough. You know how I know it's going to happen? Because we are the ones. This is the place. And now is the time. Shout, shout now. Say it again, now. All right, now healing. Now freedom. Now change. Now restoration. Now miracles. Now breakthrough. You know why? Because God is the great I am. God is here today. And he is here in this moment. And he's here right now. And God wants to do a miracle in your life. Come on, stand to your feet all over this place. Come on, give God praise as you stand. And thank him for what he's going to do in these next few moments. Honey, would you come? If our prayer team can join us up front, our prayer team, if you can come right now. Everybody looking at me before you run up, rush off. We're going to bless you right now. We're going to pronounce a blessing over you. And at the end of that blessing, my wife and I, we usually uh, sneak out into the foyer. If we've never met you before, we'd love to meet you. If it's been a long time that we've had an opportunity to say hello, we'd love to say hi. But this prayer team is going to stay up here as long as they need to. And if you need prayer for any reason, we want to pray for you. You don't have to be a member of Victory Christian Center to receive prayer. You don't have to be a bad person to receive prayer. We all need prayer. I need prayer. You need prayer. So if you need prayer for any reason, we want to pray for you. So at the end of this blessing, just slip out of your, your seat there and just come forward. And God is going to do a now miracle in your life. Keep your eyes open as we bless you. Friends and family of Victory Christian Center, we bless you today. We bless you to know that you are the one. This is the place, and now is the time. May God explode in you the revelation that he did not make a mistake when he gave you that dream, that vision, that prophecy. When he placed that thing in your heart that you thought was impossible. God speaks over you today. You're the one. There's no mistake. This is the place. This church, this region, this city. This school, this marriage, this job, this is the place. And now is the time. May you get that in your heart. That it's not tomorrow, it's not next year, it's now. And so I declare over each and every one of you, now miracles, now breakthrough, now healing, now freedom, now your sons and daughters shall be saved. Now, the breaking of addiction over your family. Now, the restoration and mending of marriages. Now, the restoration of relationships. Now, God moving in your schools, young people, and God moving in your jobs. Now, God exploding this church with lost people that will find a faithful God. Now, miracles in Jesus' name. I bless you to have an incredible week in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen. Come on, if you need prayer for any reason, just slip out of your chair and just come forward. We want to pray for you.